All right, we're going to continue the conversation with uh, the other side of the political aisle, my friend Dan Schaefer. He writes the Recombobulation Area. Era. Area. Why did I say era? Area. Recombobulation Era. In my Recombobulation Era, if I'm doing a Taylor Swift <laughs> reference here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You wish you had that kind of popularity. I, I don't know if anyone should have that kind of popularity. She's like the most popular musician maybe of, like, of my lifetime. It I, feels I like, said you know? yesterday, almost Elvis-like. Like, it's that big. I mean, Elvis is, like, on a pedestal by himself, but this is pretty big. Yes, the the Grammy the other night, the, the company that she's in now with winning four albums of the year, I think it was she was, she was the first person to ever do that. Yeah, right? so, and, but I mean. then the, you know, the three were, like, Stevie Wonder and Paul Simon. And <laughs> I, and the thing is, she's 34. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. pretty sure they won stuff after they were the, after the age of 34. I know they did. Yeah, so, I mean. She's, she's younger than me, which, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. I, I, I give her all the credit. She worked, I mean, I saw some video the other day that was going around. I think she's like 16 on some stage in somewhere and already had her name on the, on a banner. And you got to give it up to people that work that hard to get where they're at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on Friday with uh, Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, Political Power Hour. So I want to kind of refresh the conversation. The consult, since we last talked, the consultant's report has come out. So we, we, we are left with this. We have the two Republican-leaning plans, left uh, uh, conservative-leaning plans. One was by the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. One was by the legislature. The, the consultants basically said, two-partisan, the four liberal fair map plans, if you want to call it that, um, they were sort of all kind of the same. They said in their report, in, indistinguishable from each other. Do you agree with that yeah, assessment? So, yeah, so the the report came out, so the the... Wisconsin Supreme Court, in their December 22nd ruling, ordered this process for to, to get new maps in time for the 2024 election. Uh, part of that was hiring these court-appointed consultants, uh, redistricting experts uh, from across the country to come in. And after the, the parties involved in the case issued their map submissions, uh, these consultants wrote a report. They were, that report uh, was released uh, last Friday. It's about a 25-page document. It's a you know it's just a, a good good light read. Uh, if you're looking something by the bedside table there. I, I started but, to read it. I went right to the summary. I've got to be yeah, honest with you. That That's probably the best way to go. But the big takeaway from it was that I think it said what, what many of us already know and what we've talked about here on the show the last couple of weeks, which is that uh, the map submis- submission from legislative Republicans did not fit any of the criteria. They basically just did not do the assignment set forth by the court, the court asking to abandon lease change uh, in these new maps, to consider political neutrality in these new maps. The the legislative Republicans just basically didn't do any of that, uh, just submitted much the same map as the one that was just struck down. What do you think of Will's plan? Uh, Will's plan, I think, you know, they at least did the assignment. So I think there's a difference in what <laughs> the legislative Republicans just, just doing nothing, calling everything a ber- gerrymander, throwing this enormous fit, trying to pass something late last week to, to go around the court um the will plan at least you know they at least did the assignment uh and but as the as the court appointed experts said that what they submitted was a quote-unquote stealth gerrymander uh so they you know uh, tried to tried to limit community splits tried to uh you know seek for compactness communities of interest all these kinds of things but they still through that found their way to um, you know, that when they were considering the political neutrality of that, about a 10 point Republican advantage uh, 
in the uh, in the maps that they submitted for the assembly. So instead of the sixty five forty or sixty five thirty five, basically that we have uh, right now in the state assembly, it would be closer to like a sixty forty uh, type of situation. So still very much a partisan gerrymander. And I think it's really interesting to note you look at the other map submissions from Governor Evers, from Democratic senators, from the two uh, legal groups uh, that uh, you know that submitted um, the left leaning legal, legal groups that submitted maps. I think it's really important to note that. The consultants went through and said that not only were those not Democratic gerrymanders, but each of them, except for the Democratic senator's map for half of it, uh, they said that it was had a slight Republican bias. So let me repeat, those Democratic uh, maps didn't go the other direction and try to draw a 60-40 map in favor of Democrats. They had a slight Republican bias. Wasn't around four? Four seats or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was around you know kind of the two to four percent right. uh, Republican advantage, which I think matches the political geography of the state. But none of them were Democratic gerrymanders, and I think that's a really important point here. It's not the two sides are not the same. We have one side trying to draw itself a path to a supermajority, one side drawing itself a path to a fifty-fifty map. So let's take all of the courts, consultants, whatever, out of the equation. Mm-hmm. If you looked at Wisconsin. Let's say you don't live in Wisconsin. You're looking at Wisconsin politically. Where would you assess we we fall on on the ideology scale? Uh, scale? Do you think we're leaning Republican or where are we at? I think we are right in the middle. I think we're the exact probably you know we've been the tipping point state based on what, in the exactly? 2016 election, the tipping point state in the 2020 election, uh, and so you we are so evenly politically divided. And I think even though you know Democrats and Democrats backed candidates have won 15 of the last 18 statewide elections i still think you say it is a 50 50 state not a you know light blue state okay um if i'm looking at the the maps that uh, may happen we have a lot of incumbents who are going to be running they're all running right everybody's running in the in the assembly correct if, I mean, every every seat will be on the ballot. Yes. All 99 seats will All be right. on the ballot. Yeah. And there's a lot of concern among Republicans that there's some unfairness with having people run against each other. Again, this is all speculative because we don't know where the lines are yet. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Is Should that be something that – is there a natural advantage to be an incumbent if, if we make incumbents run against each other? There is, of course. Uh, but I think also at the same time, you know, the, the consultants addressed this – in the report, too, which is that because we have an outsized number of Republicans representing Wisconsin in the state assembly and in the state Senate right now, it's natural to put those to to see that more Republicans will be paired just by the simple fact that there are more Republicans in the state legislature. Also, you know, there are many criteria that the court set forth in drawing new maps, considering the home address of incumbents in the state was not one of those criteria. It is not a criteria that should be considered. I would I would agree with you because yeah. this is the now, but we don't we don't draw maps for now. We draw maps for the future, at least right. ten years. You can't be worried where someone lives. Exactly. On either side. Those those districts belong to the people who live there. They they are not a birthright for these legislators who seem to think that they automatically get grandfathered in and be an incumbent in these districts in perpetuity. You know, basically we didn't have a normal redistricting process two years ago because they adopted that bogus least change principle. So we basically kept baked in the same gerrymander from the 2010s into maps from the 2020s. We're getting a real redistricting process now. And so that process should not consider 
where the home addresses of, of legislators are, it should best represent the state of Wisconsin and the people in this state. Writer Dan Schaefer, The Recombobulation Area, where can folks find it? Uh, you can find it at therecombobulationarea.news. Recombobulation Area publishes on Substack. You can also find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer. And some good Bucks content, too. That's right. That's Absolutely. right. Trade deadline coming up. Yeah, and our Bucks. Oof. Got rough, those, got rough those road notifications. Trip. The rough road trip. Thank That's right, God though. they won one game. Otherwise, we'd be tearing our hair out. That'd, that'd all right, rough, we'll take yeah. a quick break here on WTMJ now. My guest, as always, on Tuesdays, Dan Schaefer, writer and creator of the Recombobulation Area. Where can folks find it? Uh, you can find it at the recombobulationarea.news, Recombobulation Area on Substack. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer. So I was watching, and I, I guess I don't even know the, the whole backstory. You had a conversation with my friend Omar Sheikh, who kind of runs, well, he runs Carnivore, he runs Third Street Market Hall. What was the gist of that, that back and forth that you had online, right, social media at first? Yeah, so uh, last week I sat down for an interview with, with Omar Sheikh, uh, the, who runs Third Street Market Hall. We, we talked uh, right here at Third Street Market Hall last week, but the, the kind of precursor to this, uh, was that Omar was the chairman of the Home Crew Coalition. So the group of many business community leaders, they were advocating for funding for American Family Field. Had him on the show to talk about it. Exactly. So so one of the, you know, after that deal was passed, Governor Evers signed it into law. Uh, there was, you know, a couple stories in, in the local media here talking about um, the potential quote unquote beer district, right? We talked, we wrote about this a lot at the recombobulation area over the past couple of years. There's been kind of a, a topic of com- community conversation of, you know, do we really need all of these parking lots around American Family Field? Should we do something like we do uh, around the the Bucks Arena downtown to create, you know, something that is more of a 365 day a year destination uh, around American Family Field and have more of a firm commitment to to develop some of the land that the Brewers and the Stadium District and the state owned? Uh, and so, you know, I, I was a I was a business news reporter for a long time before I started my own thing. Uh, and in the business community, there's always so much optimism for a big project in Milwaukee. Everybody always gets so excited about these new new designs and renderings and different things. And I was just so struck by the reaction to, you know, this proposal for a beer district, this this study, they didn't commit to any action, but they committed to, you know, having a task force and a study to look at what it might mean. And I saw comments from Omar, I saw comments from others in the business community you know, saying that they're opposed to a beer district before we even do the study. Protecting their own interests? I, I don't even know what it is, but I, you know, I made, went on Twitter, made some, some critical comments. Uh, Omar and I got into a little, a little bit. We <laughs> as had a little you bit, do on social media. As I do on social media. I don't necessarily shy away <laughs> from the conversation, do I? Um, but Omar and I get, got into a little bit. At the end of that, we decided, you know, let's sit down for a conversation. Let's Which sit is down classic for an Omar, because he, he, at the end of the day, he's interested in, in a resolution, not just a constant conflict. Right, and it you know it wasn't a personal disagreement. We don't we have we've had good uh, relationships and, and conversations in the past, but we just disagreed about this particular issue. Uh, so yeah, we sat down on that. I have a podcast up at the Recombobulation Area. You can go listen to it. it's about a half hour uh, conversation with with me sitting down with them. We're talking about the beer district, uh, talking about the Home Crew Coalition. There was the news last week that there will be the the Third Street Market Hall annex within uh, American Family Field. I saw that. So we talked about that too. We talked about if if his backing of that had any anything to do with the you know opposition to the beer district as well so i encourage you to go go uh, check that one out here's why i think an idea like the beer district could work with this caveat go slow mm-hmm. one of the things i know about people in southeastern wisconsin and wisconsin for that for that matter they love easy and easy out 
If you developed some of those parking lots, easy to get to, free parking, get right in, do your thing, whatever whatever the establishment is, whether it's food or more entertainment or whatever it is, get out of there quickly after you leave, that could be a sell. There's a lot of folks, I'm not one of them because I love working downtown, I love coming downtown, who don't like the hassle of trying to find a parking spot or, you know, parking in a, you know, messing with the meters and all that, you know, the, the credit card stuff, all that stuff. They don't like it. You come in, you hang out, you leave, you park for free. That could work. And we could also, it'd be a barometer on whether that concept could work there. Because there's really, other than the, the restaurant at the, at the uh, American Family Field in the golf place, how, how busy is that stadium when there's not a concert or a event there for sports right well that's that's part of why and and omar kind of recharacterized the way he he said i'm not opposed to a beard district he said he took that comment back so uh but he said he's still very skeptical that it could work and saying it you know it's on an island out there it it, it is but at the same time so part of what my argument was with it is you know the milwaukee area has a very low vacancy rate for for housing we need to build new housing in this region. So why not do it here when you're right next to, you know, a great amenity like the American Family Field? Uh, you know, West Dallas has actually been one of the communities in the area that has been most aggressive about building new housing. That's right around the corner from the from the from the stadium things like that. So why not use this beer district as an opportunity to not only have like an entertainment destination where you could bring people not just the 80 day 80 games a year where there is uh, a game at the ballpark where you have something that's more bringing 365 days a year vibrancy, bringing more people, uh, bring more housing for people to live. You know, there's that Komatsu plant uh, that's more or less right across the street uh, from American Family Field. That's now empty. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of desire for urban industrial places in that. So why not convert that to housing? Bring some apartments, give, give places for people to live and add to the supply of housing, lower the overall housing costs in the region. I'm somebody who did, the, did that very thing in Oak Creek. We wanted to have an option for people that didn't, didn't have access to, to buying a, uh, at least the assets needed to buy a home in a, in a difficult buyer's market, right? Cost goes up, supply is low. That's an option for people. And, and here's the thing. A texter made this point too. I know people say, well, there's there's things you can do in the ballpark. It's not that easy. Right now, when you drive in there, and I'm, I'm not saying anything against the Brewers. I love the Brewers. But when you get in there, it takes a while to park your car, walk through the stadium, get to the event. I'm talking about literally doing a beer district where on one of those outlots, you get in, you get out, you enjoy yourself. Much easier than walking into the ballpark, which is a 10-minute process for some people, maybe longer than that if they have challenges. I just think we have to start thinking about these things. Rather than do the big, grand design at the beginning, that's cool for cities to think about. But maybe you baby step this thing and you see what works. And then you don't impact parking all at the same time. You kind of figure it out first. I think that's a common sense way to look at it. Well, and I think that's you know the, that's why I'm optimistic about this study. Because I think if we get a better understanding of... You know, what the issues might be for developing the Menominee River's right there. Mm-hmm. How about putting something like a beer garden on the Menominee River? I yeah. think that type of thing would work great. Actually, it's nice part down the, there. It is, exactly. But I think there's so much, you know, there's nothing on the river there. It's underutilized. So I think, you know, there's, there's certain things that, that seem like kind of a low hanging fruit type of thing that they, they could do. Uh, but they've just, uh, been so committed to the parking and so, uh, invested in, in that. You know, we even saw some news this week about, you know, changing the way that, uh, people are going to pay for their parking spots going in. Yeah. And what'd you think about that idea? The, the, the license plate reader. How does that work? I mean, I, I know how license plate readers work, but 
I think that's going to confuse some people. <laughs> I do. Frankly. And if somebody just blows through and parks in a like a preferred parking area, what's the enforcement on, well, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Like, How do you enforce that? I don't know. Are there going to be tow trucks all over the parking lot uh, t- taking people off the tailgating? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. The, but, other th- the other thing I've, I've, I've been talking about recently, you know the north lot north of, of 94? The one it's, it's used for like opening day. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's open every. That should have a big office tower on it. Should have had an office tower 10 years ago. There you go. Right on the freeway. Or housing, right there. Or Put, housing. Have or, some or apartments combination right of both. there. Yeah. I think uh, it's you, a you great neighborhood. S- you know, I live on the west side of Milwaukee. It's a great place to live. I think you can, you know, build some opportunities for more people to uh, to make a home there as well. All right. Christian Sider went long, so you get less time today. We'll have to rectify that next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it up with Christian. Dan Schaefer, he writes the, the great recombobulation area. From a left-leaning perspective, he admits that. Uh, how, do the, how do folks find it? Uh, you can find it at the recombobulationarea.news. Uh, I just wrote a column about redistricting, about this consultant's report, uh, so be sure to uh, to check that one out. And later this week, I'll be breaking down uh, the Marquette University Law School poll. Uh, oh, yeah. First one in a while yes. tomorrow, so that'll be a good one. Reminds me of you get Charles Franklin on the show. All right, Dan Shape. We'll do it next week.